To break with ritual is to break with faith. The sixteenth warning of the cult Mechanicus. It never rained on Mars. Not anymore. Eons past whispered of a time when this world basked in storms that carved great canyons and waterfalls, a paradise swept by fierce coastal winds. But those days were buried beneath millennia. Mars, the Mechanicum's crown jewel, the sanctified heart of the machine cult, now suffocated in volcanic smog, oppressed by continent-spanning refineries and the blistering heat of countless forges. Atop Olympus Mons, ancient Paladin-class knights, their glory dimmed by time's erosion, and machinations lost to superstition, stood sentinel. The warriors of the Mechanicum, accompanied by innumerable tech priests and their servile adepts, watched as a sprawling, impossibly large city floated down from the heavens. Mars had forgotten the embrace of rain, yet today the smog-choked skies wept. The hallowed ground, ungraced by precipitation for times beyond memory, shivered under a deluge. Titanic storm clouds roiled above, seething with electricity, as though the very heavens writhed in agony at the descent of something divine. Enigmatic cogitators within the nights churned in restless anticipation. As golden luminescence cleaved the tempest, electric tempests bridged sky to soil, unveiling a city of impossible geometry and splendor. Its prow bore a grand eagle, wrought in gold, and from its other flank, massive ramparts challenged the skies. The sheer force keeping this leviathan aloft defied every axiom known to the Mechanicum, a wonder beyond comprehension. With the elegance of a drifting feather, the titanic edifice made its landing, its vastness eclipsed in billows of superheated steam and Martian dust. As the mists retreated, the behemoth stood revealed, a city with the stature of titans, its edifices dwarfing even Mars's mightiest cliffs. Each golden plate shimmered, infused with painstaking craft, every inch an artistic devotion. This was no mere vessel, this was a holy temple, forged in reverence of a deity both worshipped and feared. A ramp descended, spilling ethereal light onto the red terrain. A hushed reverence bound the Mechanicum assemblage. Servo skulls, in their multitudes, hovered, their mechanical eyes capturing every moment. A silhouette emerged, radiating power and grandeur. Each step brought with it a cascade of luminous brilliance, his formidable presence casting an ever-stretching shadow. His golden armor mirrored the magnificence of the city, its intricate designs hinting at tales untold. Those ageless eyes spoke of wisdom and sorrow so profound that they held an ache of beauty. The Emperor's crimson mantle flowed like liquid fire as he neared the Mechanicum delegation. His gaze, an unfathomable depth, settled upon the most time-worn Paladin Knight. He spoke softly, Your machine spirit suffers. His voice was a symphony, hauntingly captivating. May I? He asked soothingly. No one dared move. The world itself seemed to pause. He extended a hand, caressing the knight. His voice raised. Machine, heal thyself, he commanded. Instantly, the knight rejuvenated, cogs humming with a fervor not felt since its first ignition. The emperor's touch, warm and electrifying, transcended the knight's ceramite, resonating with its pilot. Overwhelmed, the pilot whispered, tears streaming. His voice quivered. Who are you? But deep down, he already knew. 
though words failed to manifest the realization. Those ageless, impossibly beautiful eyes held the answer. Gently turning to face the gathered masses, he declared loudly, shouting, his voice booming, I am the Emperor. Chapter 1 The Battle for the Soul of Mars In the 31st millennium, on the rust-colored and magma-cursed planet Mars, tensions had always coursed through the veins of the cult of the machine. To outsiders, it was a body united through a rigid religious fervor, but in reality, it was fractured and fragile. Nowhere was bereft of the tension from houses wrestling and scheming for power. From the booming forge cities to the sprawling catacombs below, intricate rivalries and silent wars played out amongst the great houses, legions and politicians. Among these were the great forge masters and mistresses. These great powers jealously guarded their proprietary tech knowledge, the heartbeat of Mars's influence in the galaxy. These fragile political ecosystem of the cult relied on a complex interconnecting web of allegiances between the ancient and influential Knight and Titan legions and the sprawling Forge Masters. Combined, these great legions, houses and masters formed the lifeblood of Mars, and yet amidst this tense web of relationships, there was a figure who stood distinct, adept Corel Zeta of the Magma Forge City, a highly controversial figure in the annals of the Mechanicus. Unlike other prominent houses, Magi, Tech Priests and Forges, she was a vocal non-believer in deities and superstitions. She revered knowledge, echoing the rational secularism of the Emperor. And yet she did not recognize him as a deity figure. She was an apostate in the eyes of many, and yet ironically, a staunch ally of the Imperium and crucially, the Emperor. She was tolerated even admired by her peers as mistress to one of the most powerful forge cities to ever exist on Mars, Magma City, and with it she wielded great influence and powerful allegiances with respected Titan and Knight legions. In the shadowed bowels of her vast forge, Zeta cradled mysteries that bore the weight of either Mars' glorious salvation or its eternal damning downfall. With the dark allure of the warp beckoning, she pirouetted with reckless grace on the razor's edge of blasphemous heresy. Driven by an unyielding purity of purpose, she sought to plunder the arcane depths of the warp, aiming to reignite the luminous torch of a bygone technological renaissance that once crowned humanity. But to the stoic gaze of the Fabricator General, and countless of her peers, her clandestine endeavors and radical beliefs sung a dirge of treachery against the very pillars of Mechanicum faith. Beneath the ancient arches of her forge's sanctum, Zeta stood poised at the precipice of unraveling the eldritch enigma of the warp. The resonance of eons whispered through the catacombs around her, holding secrets that could either uplift or devastate. Yet as her fingers danced over the arcane interfaces, above in the world of burning skies, the very sands were stained with treachery. The red-scarred plains outside her haven bore witness to the undercurrents of civil unrest, a discordant symphony of ambition and betrayal. Unbeknownst to her, the shadow of the Fabricator General of Mars stretched long and dark, his loyalty swayed by the whispered promises of the fallen sun, Horus. And in this age of darkness, Zeta's very quest could become the crucible for her own downfall, the spark that the traitors yearned for to unseat her as the mistress of Magma City. 
Amidst the star-blanketed tapestry of war and treachery, the betrayal of Fabricator General Hal was not some whimsical act birthed from fleeting emotion or capricious impulse. It was an unraveling, a deep-rooted cancerous seed that had germinated through eons. Even as the magnetic allure of Horus's charisma swayed many, and the tantalizing glimmers of forbidden tech beckoned, the seeds of Hal's sedition had been sown long before. From that pivotal moment when the Emperor, bathed in ethereal light, first set foot upon the rust-red soils of Mars, Hal's cogitations bore an undercurrent of distrust. To him, this Omnissiah was but a false deity, an ephemeral mirage threatening to erode the staunch sovereignty of Mars. Horus, now an avatar of Chaos's malevolent embrace, dangled before Hal the most sacred of the Mechanicum's desires, STC devices. These were archaic wonders, their interiors a labyrinthine treasure trove of marvels that the 31st millennium could scarce fathom. Yet intertwined with the golden promise was a shadowed caveat. Horus had cultivated a brutality, swift and punishing for those who dared defy his zealous mission to cast the Emperor into the abyss of oblivion. Alongside his offering was an unspoken threat, a looming fist to crush any dissent. But Horus had chosen wisely, for in Hal, with his simmering doubts and voracious hunger for knowledge, he found fertile ground. And thus, in treacherous alignment of cosmic wills, Hal succumbed. He not only fell, but in his descent, he dragged the Mechanicum into the maelstrom of civil strife. And Hal, with the precision of a master tactician, recognized that if he were to truly grasp the reins of Mars, he must exploit its underbelly, the creeping tendrils of paranoia, the fractious schisms, and the vast data webs that crisscrossed Mars like an ever-pulsating neural network. The assault upon Mars wasn't heralded by the scream of weaponry or the clash of armies, but by the sinister tendrils of the scrap code, twisting and insidious. It surged like an electronic plague, a tidal wave of corruption through the metallic arteries of the forged cities, turning the very fabric of the Mechanicum's sprawling neural network into a playground for malevolence. It worked its dark magic in silence, its whispers coaxing Magi to raise hand against Brother and Sentinel machines to betray their creators. Every bite dripped with the malevolent touch of chaos, pulling countless souls into Horus's dark embrace as they struggled against the demon within the machine. In those dark hours, many a faithful Mechanicum servant met a brutal end, their own augments betraying them. The electric fire of betrayal surged through their implants, roasting them alive, their screams echoing in the vast chambers of Mars. Yet, from this crucible of madness and torment rose the Dark Mechanicum. Chapter 2 The Last Stand Amidst the chaos, where countless forges crumbled under the siren call of treacherous code, Adept Zeta's Magma City stood defiant, its walls unblemished, its heart still beating. This anomaly, this enigmatic resilience, didn't go unnoticed. It lit the pyres of mistrust, a convenient tool the Fabricator General would wield in a sinister dance of political machination. The malevolence of the scrap code, like a storm ripping through the heart of Mars, became the perfect veil for whispered treacheries. Hushed voices spoke of the Emperor's shadow stretching over Mars, while the Fabricator General's faithful weaved a tapestry of suspicion, 
leaving the already maimed Mechanicum to tear at its own sinews. Virus bombs, dark codes, and haunting paranoia ignited a fraternal war, legions drawn in a deadly game of loyalty and betrayal. But for Zeta, conjectures faded to insignificance when the skies of Magma City darkened with the descent of a martial force. 300 Skitari marched in union onto the Magma Forge, grotesque in their war-reforged forms. Their once perfectly crafted bodies and weaponry now twisted into instruments of torment. Overshadowing them was the mountainous form of enhanced Skitari protectors, their bodies carved into hypermuscular freaks of nature through gene manipulation and implants. They guarded the messenger of the Fabricator General, who with pomp and gravitas pronounced her a heretic. Zeta's laughter echoed, a defiant challenge, as she gestured to the abominations before her. Once majestic creations, now monstrous effigies of what the Mechanicum could birth. The messenger's voice dropped, his threat punctuated by the Skitari aiming their repurposed weapons, each hum and crackle a promise of violence. Yet from behind her shadows cast by towering giants enveloped the courtyard, knights resplendent in their deep blue armor, contrasting the burning heart of the magma lake stepped forth, their weaponry primed and thirsty. An impotent electronic scream from Melgato sought to disable the knights, but Lord Katrurix of the Order of Tarnis had other plans. Allied with the Magma Forge, he had anticipated this game of digital chess. Gazing upon the now outnumbered force before her, Zeth's voice was cold, yet resonant. She gave Melgata a choice, flee her dominion in mere minutes or embrace oblivion. It was a victory, but with the departure of the warped Skitari, a chilling realization loomed. In the days that would follow, Magma City would stand as the final beacon against the onslaught of the Dark Mechanicum. It would be their last stand, and with it, any hope of a Mars that stood with the Emperor. At the very precipice of her vast forge's bulwarks, the final vestiges of the Loyalist Mechanicum stood defiantly. A scant cadre of majestic titans and stalwart knights, ancient sentinels of a bygone era, each one irreplaceable. They represented an edifice of strategic brilliance, forging tactics that promised to drown the Dark Mechanicum in their own blood and oil. Yet the dire hand of destiny had cast its shadow the instant Horus, the betrayer, set his gaze upon the red jewel of the solar system. The indomitable legions of titans and knights were brought low as they waged cataclysmic warfare upon their kin. Despite their battle tactics and indomitable spirit, the loyalists would fall to the staggering numbers of the traitors. As the twilight of their final hour drew near, adept Zeta, resolute and cloaked in tenacity, would not capitulate. Chaos would never corrupt the sanctity of her forge, nor would they touch the arcane apparatus she'd meticulously crafted to peer into the very maw of the warp. Gravely wounded, her life force ebbing away, she unleashed the final code. Molten fury surged, consuming the heart of the forge, while cataclysmic detonations obliterated both loyalist and heretic in a blinding sacrificial finale. Their stand, fervent and unyielding, would echo for eternity in the annals of the Imperium. Chapter 3 Dangerous Games Clade and his Raven Guard brothers moved like shadows through the nest, passing through twisted alien Acrictocutra 
comprised of twitching, stabbing legs and shell-armored brains. But today, the shadows betrayed them. The silence of the night was shattered. The swarm came to life as if one organism working in unison. Metal clashed with ancient armored plate, bolted rounds tearing flesh and bone through shilled screams. But they kept coming. Chainsaws sparked to life and tore through limbs, as immature Xeno scum clawed its way up their ceramite armor, tearing and biting at the flesh and armor. A blinding light of pain stabbed through his mind before his Astartes implants could shut the pain down. He looked down, his leg was gone. He screamed in pain as the he watched his arm being devoured. Clade awoke, gasping. It was the same nightmare, one that continued to haunt his dreams, despite thirty years passing since those terrible events. He glanced down, his limbs had been replaced by Mechanicum augments. Mars had not only bestowed upon him state-of-the-art bionics, but also an identity, the Carrion. No longer just a soldier, but a bridge between the Astartes and the mysterious tech priests of Mars. He was a tech marine initiate. Now more bionics than flesh, it had taken him decades to accept the fate thrust upon him. But he would not, and could not break free from the shackles of his past life. He was a raven guard, even if his brethren did not see him as such. They would consider him disabled, less than. The Emperor had made the Astartes perfect warriors. The Carrion was a broken porcelain doll bolted together with iron and steel. This was his fate. As he neared the completion of his training as a Tech Marine Initiate, he would bear witness to the Mechanicum's judicial system. A Tech Priest, who dared to defy the holy tenets of the Machine Cult, was paraded before him. Shackled and blinded, he was brought forward before the court to receive his sentencing. His implants had been violently removed, leaving him broken, weak and vulnerable. And yet, a fire burned within him. Despite his impending doom, he continued to rave and scream about a godlike, sentient AI that would cleanse the galaxy of all humanity. Aid's madness on display, his sentencing was without mercy. Even as the stasis fields flashed him into petrification, he would continue to scream in hysteria, his twisted, crazed face forever frozen in an agonized expression. His body would serve as a warning to all those that would defy the tenets and chose heresy. And yet, unknown to the Carrion, in the days to come, this tale of heresy would serve as the foundation for a daring plan to take back Mars. In his last days on Mars, on the cusp of graduation, he stood with his fellow initiates in the highest floor in the great temple they had come to call home. However, an air of uncertainty hung in the Martian red air. Something was not right. They were hearing talk over the data stream of corrupted code, cult faction disruption, compromised networks, strange orbital patterns, augmented infantry moving in strange formations and mobilizing in unusually large movements. There was even talk of entire Titan legions on the move between forged temples. It was unthinkable that a Xenos threat would have penetrated this far into the solar system. Some suggested a temple or forged dispute, or perhaps feral servitor uprising, but none of it felt right. The haunting cry of orbital alarms echoed the dread they'd been feeling deep in their souls. Mars, the red jewel of the cosmos, was plunged into the fires of war, and they found themselves ensnared in its deadly heart. 
Scant moments were given to hasty stratagems or desperate battle plans, for soon enough, the darkened sky was pierced by the looming silhouettes of Mechanicum carriers. From their cavernous bellies fell the grotesque and twisted forms of dark Mechanicum Skitarii, their sole directive clear and unsympathetic, to extinguish the light of the Tech Marines and cleanse the planet of any lingering loyalty. Besieged and outgunned, the Tech Priests found themselves caught in a crucible. Their arsenals were dwindling, ammunition scarce. Yet in this hour of darkness, their conviction remained unbroken. They became the very instruments of defiance, their camaraderie a shield against the tide of malice. The temple's towering structure resonated with the cacophony of combat as the Skitari warriors, their intentions murderous, inexorably advanced. But then, a deeper, more guttural tremor rumbled beneath them, the bone-jarring footfalls of the Legion Mortis Titans. Sworn to the blasphemous Dark Mechanicum, they were harbingers of obliteration, intent on sundering all that stood before them. For the carrion trapped within, aspirations of victory became faint, distant echoes. One imperative now remained, survive and bear warning to terror. But as hope flickered, a new horror was unleashed. Waves of insidious scrap code washed over the Tech Marines, their cerebral circuits short-circuiting, Overwhelmed, their eyes ablaze with confused anguish, they faltered, collapsing under the weight of electronic torment. As blood and sacred oils mixed, each Astartes, in a frantic blend of desperation and agony, clawed at the junctures where man merged with machine, trying to rip away the source of their suffering. In the dim, echoing chasm of a cavernous hangar, carved from the heart of a Mechanicum fortress, and now repurposed as a sanctified repair bay for the great war machines, the endgame unfolded. The Skitari, chosen protectors of the machine god, marched in. Their gilded ceremonial mail shimmered in the subdued lighting, contrasting starkly with the visceral crimson of their garb. A grotesque harmony of melted flesh and techno-heresy adorned their visages. Skeletal remains intermeshed with advanced targeting matrices, turning them into avatars of death. In their hands, they brandished weapons of such terrifying design, devices that agitated the very essence of hydrogen to birth unimaginable heat and death. To face such a weapon was to witness annihilation incarnate. Metal seared and organic matter vaporized as radiation poured forth in an unending tide, and the unspeakable luminosity threatened to consume all. The hangar became a theater of the damned. From this cauldron of obliteration, only the carrion emerged. A lone survivor of the massacre, his path leading inexorably to the heart of the Imperium, to terror. Yet the annals of history are often frayed, their threads lost in the tapestry of time. The intricate weavings of Carrion's escape, his trials and tribulations as he journeyed to terror, are stories that remain shrouded in obscurity, waiting for a voice to bring them to light. In the shadowed gardens of the Imperial Palace on Terra, three monumental figures convened. Newly elevated Fabricator General Sangrius Kane, trusted advisor Malkador the Sigilite, and Primarch and Protectorate of the Emperor's Palace, Rogel Dawn. Together they would deliberate the fate of Mars. Amidst their discourse, the gilded Legio Custodes patrolled with an omnipotent presence, shields and armor gleaming like burnished gold beneath Terra's sun. 
and throughout the palace, Astartes Legion, the Imperial Fists, and a throng of indentured servants under the banner of Dawn, readied the defenses. The very air was thick with anticipation. A cosmic storm was about to be unleashed upon the soul system. Rogel Dawn towered over them all, a living monument of determination, his golden armor offset by a blood-red cloak. His stark white hair contrasted against the weight of his gaze, a reflection of battles fought and yet to come. Sangrius, now leader of the Mechanicum Loyalists, was an amalgamation of flesh and steel, his threads of red and gold interspersed with intricate machinery. Robed and hooded, his green optic gaze emitted an otherworldly glow. Kane's synthetic voice resonated with a hint of desperation. Why was Mars abandoned to the enemy? Dawn's voice, deep and rumbling, responded, The universe trembles, Kane. An all-consuming war unlike anything ever witnessed is on the horizon. Horus and his damned legions will challenge every bastion of our empire, and every one of my imperial fists will be required at the palace walls. Mars, for all its glory, is just one forge amongst the vast expanse. Kane's optics flared. What of my people? They gave their lives, Dawn replied, a somber undertone evident. So their creations could empower those destined to exact vengeance, those like us who will make Horus and his heretics pay the price for Mars' desolation. Cain, persistent, pressed on. Then should we not reclaim Mars? No, Dawn's voice carried an edge. Mars for now is beyond our reach. I've heard whispers of resistance from Malkador, but evidence is scant. Mars has been consumed. Our gaze must shift to darker, more desperate strategies. The atmosphere darkened as the word spilled from Dawn's mouth. The word that would send bolts of electricity through Cain's body. Exterminatus! The Fabricator General's voice, deep and metallic, resonated throughout the chamber. Have you lost all reason? To contemplate the obliteration of Mars, our sacred forge world, is to forsake the future of the Astartes. Do you not see? The very core of our technological marvels, the secrets whispered down through millennia, all to be lost in a haze of fire and orbital rage. But Dawn would not be moved. Envision the malevolence of Horus and his traitorous legions casting their shadow upon Mars. That general is a reality I refuse to let come to pass. The general's synthetic heart thudded. To bombard Mars from the cosmos, to raise it to the ground, you threaten not just a planet, but an epoch of our history. Mars and Terra have stood side by side since the dawn of time. Can you fathom the abyss of knowledge we would plunge into? The very fabric of the Imperium would be torn asunder. It would be as if you willingly ushered in another age of strife. But beyond that was a greater fear. Destroying Mars would not only sow despair, but fan the flames of rebellion. He continued, How do the distant Forge worlds know they won't suffer the same fate? Do you wish to prove Horus's whispered truths? That we are the true traitors? Malkador, demonstrating his wit and supernatural ability for tactical brilliance, used his words to punch through the building tension. Perhaps, he began with a sly smile, there exists another path. He signaled, and Carrion stepped forward, his fate sealed as a pawn in Malkador's grand game for the salvation or damnation of the Imperium. History suggests that the plan formed on that day was never intended to save Mars. Evidence of its obvious failure was scattered in its inception. What Malkador and Dawn had intended is one of speculation, and in these tales, 
It seems evident that Dawn always intended to liberate Mars from the forces of Horus. Was it all a game? A show for the newly appointed fabricator? This information is lost to the sands of time. The plan was reckless, bold and ultimately doomed. The Carrion would breach Mars using the stealth and cunning of his Raven Guard lineage, free the traitor priest from the frozen state the Carrion had witnessed him condemned to, and together, they would locate the heretical AI device buried deep within the vaults of Mars. With it, they would disrupt the workings of ancient temple forges built upon the poles of Mars, shutting down their life-preserving artificial magnetic shielding, which protected Mars from the harsh radiation of the sun, and plunge Mars into an inhospitable barren world once more. The fabricator shivered with dread. Visions of Mars, stripped of its vital anima and overtaken by rogue AI, dark echoes of humanity's hubris, plagued him. Malkador the Sigilite, his voice dripping with gravitas, laid out the fateful paths before the fabricator. Mars stands at the crossroads. We obliterate its legacy and treasures. We let the insidious corruption of Horus envelop it whole, or we purge the malignancy within, restoring its sacred sovereignty. Dawn, eyes burning with righteous fury, thundered his decree. Purge the unclean! Steeped in the whispers of history, the tales of this cataclysm were suffused in shadows, hinting at the calamitous failure that had befallen. Every soul, every vessel, the entirety of their ambition, vanished into oblivion. When fate convened the trio again, a profound alteration tugged at Dawn's soul. Was it the valorous metal of the loyalists? Their individual sagas minute as grains but collectively a formidable burden? Could it be the looming threat of insurrection from the other Forge worlds? Or the restless murmurs of the Martians on Terra? Or perhaps, an even darker query wormed its way into his thoughts. If they were to unleash the apocalyptic wrath of Exterminatus upon Mars, would they merely play into the very narrative Horus wove? That the God Emperor, in his grand machination, harbored ambitions to cripple Mars and claim its majesty? While the heart of this enigma remains shrouded, one truth emerged with crystalline clarity. Rogel Dawn, echoing the steps of his divine progenitor, would reclaim the sanguine gem. Chapter 4 The Binary Succession On a clear winter night on Terra, the tech priests stood amongst the palace gardens, peering at the inky black sky. Where once had been eyes, was now replaced with enhanced optics. They could see what most others could not, the red-scarred jewel they had once called home, Mars. Even those who'd sacrificed chunks of their humanity, replacing raw emotion with steel and circuitry, felt a spiritual agony, a gnawing void where once dwelt the pride of the red planet. The intricate cogs and gears, once symbols of mechanical purity, now throbbed with an existential lament. Amidst the vast industrial cathedrals of Mars, remnants of the Omniscia's disciples debated its fate. Unity, a distant memory, was splintered into fractious shards, each faction driven by its own beliefs about sovereignty, the sanctity of the spirit, and the relentless pursuit of arcane knowledge. Cabal Hal of the Binary Succession, cloaked in treachery yet holding the title of Fabricator General, was an anathema. His recognized counterpart, 
the legitimate yet exiled steward of terror, had left Mars a soul adrift in torment. The mantle resting on Kane's shoulders was fragile, a thin veneer of control over an untenable situation. If the binary succession schism persisted, chaos would weave its tendrils into the sacred code, sparking a cataclysm that threatened to engulf all. The once-human silhouette of the Fabricator General had long been consumed, now replaced by a hunched monstrosity of cold, unyielding machinery. His tank-like chassis was a grim testament to the schism, the diminishing of flesh over unforgiving metal, echoing the fractured souls of the Mechanicum. Everywhere from the remote fringes to the very heart of terror, the divisive rift among the tech priests festered, an unbalanced equation desperately seeking resolution. In this fragile balance, where allies could so easily become enemies, it took but a whisper. Treating them as the villains that the shadowed whispers claimed they were, their bubbling cauldron of frustration, desperation and palpable fear became fertile ground and from such festering soil the creeping tendrils of chaos found eager purchase. Vetheril, the appointed ambassador tech priestess, had become Cain's resonant voice, urging a radical notion that had stirred even the most monolithic of minds. To ascend to the status of Adeptus Mechanicus, and more brazenly, to approach the high and mighty lords of terror with this audacious aspiration. This political move was not met with the collective agreement of what remained of the cult of Mars. The vast ground of the palace pulsated with tension and deceit. Sabotage and shadows lurked in every corner as assassination attempts sought to silence her, but she endured. Yet when her words met the ears of the council, they seemed to wither and die, strangled by bureaucracy and the Lord's fear of a Mechanicum ascending. As Vetheril stood before the vaunted High Lords of Terror, her voice resonant with determination, she reminded them of an undeniable truth. Whether Mars was enfolded into the Imperium's embrace or left to the rapacious hunger of Horus, retaliation would be inevitable. Legions would rise from every conceivable corner of the galaxy, rallying to the defense of the cult's heart. It would serve the Lords well, she mused, to find themselves aligned with the Omnissiah. However, as negotiations progressed, the rot at the core of Terra's bureaucracy became painstakingly evident. The theatrics were endless. High Lords postured with exaggerated indignation, their council chambers filled with the stench of feigned outrage, bellicose rhetoric, and shadows of imagined coups. When the protracted talks seemed to reach their inevitable climax, the council's obstinacy cast Mars to the wolves, delivering them to the impending onslaught of Horus and decreeing their forces subsumed under imperial dominion. The once esteemed treaty lay in tatters, the mighty titans now forced to march under the Imperium's banner. But Vetheril and Cain, undeterred and with fire in their souls, made their defiant stand. With a gambit that teetered on the edge of heresy and revolution, they laid down their ultimatum. The invaluable titan legions would withdraw from the solar war, retreating to the sanctuary of their forge worlds. If the High Lords turned blind eyes to reason, they would be confronted with an irrefutable logic of force. The era of the binary succession had to conclude. The cult of Mars demanded recognition, and its leadership, a formal enthronement. There was a palpable pause, then the faint distant wail of a siren growing louder, more menacing. The colossal Emperor Titan echoed its warning. Dust and age-old secrets fell from the vaulted ceilings 
as the earth shook beneath its weight within the great palace walls. Every thunderous step resonated like a drumbeat of doom, ratcheting the tension in the chamber to a nearly unbearable pitch. We stand at a precipice, she continued. The binary must end. Mars demands its place, its recognition, legitimize our cult, formalize our leadership. The final cry of the Imperator Titan tore through the hall, silencing all. Panic gripped the council. The might of Mars was laid bare, a demonstration of the cataclysm they wielded. In the binary world, Vetherell's voice pierced the dread. It's zero or one. The Adeptus Mechanicus is that singular solution, and with a final seismic step of the Titan, the council yielded. Thus, from tumultuous beginnings, the Adeptus Mechanicus emerged. Their voice would echo in the chambers of power, with Cain anointed a High Lord. Sacrifices were made, alliances reforged, but as Cain proclaimed, the Adeptus has risen, and we will endure. From this sacrifice of autonomy, a permanent foundation is laid. Before we finish this Tales from the Warp, please consider joining our Patreon and receive your monthly gifts. From artwork to full illustrated lore guides, every tier shall receive. Tales from the Warp will be patron-supported. If you like these tales, consider checking out the Audible books linked below. Cybernetica, Mechanicum, and the Binary Succession. Let us now venture forth into the closing chapter. Chapter 5 Fallen, but not forsaken. The golden bulwark against this encroaching night of Horus was Primarch Dawn and his stoic imperial fists. Time, ever so fleeting, was against them. With each ticking second, Horus's grand design was unfolding, rendering reinforcements sparse. Yet Dawn, ever resolute, descended upon Mars, his fists clenched to deliver a crushing blow to the rebels. The red sand was soon soaked with the blood of loyalists and traitors alike. Yet as tides turned with the arrival of more dark Mechanicum reinforcements, the dire decision to withdraw became inevitable. Mars, although fallen, was not forsaken. Dawn's forces took to the stars, holding them as guardians, preventing the traitor Mechanicum from complete domination. But this celestial blockade, overseen by Camba Diaz, was about to be tested as never before. The ominous shadow of the traitor fleet cast a pall over Mars. The skies witnessed the combined might of treachery over 10,000 vessels if the sons of Horus, word bearers, the thousand sons and dark mechanicum, led by the imposing vengeful spirit with Horus himself at its helm. But the horrors did not end there. Millions of winged demons followed, ushered in by a ritual conducted by the word bearers on a distant comet further ripping the fabric of reality and spewing chaos onto Luna and Mars. As this cosmic ballet of destruction ensued, news of doom spread like a dark shroud. Jupiter had fallen under the shadow of Perturabo. On Mars, the last bastion of resistance, Camba Diaz, retreated with precious few units that remain. The red planet was left at the mercy of the Dark Mechanicum. And in a symbolic gesture, Adept Sotanul of the Dark Mechanicum bent his knee before the Fabricator General Kelbor Hal. Across the solar system, hope waned as the Heralds of Chaos carved their paths of devastation. Yet, in this darkest of hours, the true metal of heroes was to be tested. 
to be continued.